I've got a question for you. How many sales are you generating each day from your email list? One of the things I really love to do when we get a new client with analytics access is go into their Google Analytics and have a look at the traffic sources. In particular, I like to go to acquisition, all traffic channels, and then order the traffic sources by acquisition, and then order the traffic sources by conversion, i.e. looking at the traffic channels that are bringing them the most conversions. Now, a lot of the time, and if you go and do this, email isn't in the top five. In fact, it's nowhere near the top five sources of conversion. Guess what? That's low hanging fruit. Here's the thing, your email list is, or at least should be, more predisposed to buy from you than almost anyone. Think about it, you've somehow ended up with that email subscriber's contact details. Usually that means, unless you're naughty, that they've given you their contact details and said, I like you, pitch me. And yet most businesses with email lists chronically underuse them or they massively overuse them, but without any commercial success. Well, today we end this appalling travesty, for you at least. I'm gonna talk through how to turn your email subscribers into sales based on our email marketing work, both for ourselves and also with our clients here at Exposure Ninja. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency that helps our clients get more sales from their websites. And this includes doing email marketing. So in this episode, we're gonna talk through some ways that you can generate more sales through your email marketing. But firstly, let's start with some facts. You do want some facts, right? Well, tough. Okay, first fact, according to Kinsta, 4.03 billion people use email, whilst only 2.2 billion people use Facebook. All right, second fact is really kind of a question. According to Adobe, which age group uses email the most? I'm gonna guess, you probably guessed wrong. Okay, it's actually millennials. In a 2018 study by Adobe, those millennial age groups spent a whopping 6.4 hours a day on email. Apparently 41% of them even check their work email in bed. This is mental and we're not talking about their working from bed. We're talking about before or after work. Now in comparison, office workers over the age of millennials spending five hours per day on email. Now obviously this is absolutely mental. It actually makes me question the validity of these statistics. So uh, yeah, it just feels a little bit weird, but basically the gist is that email is really, really important. Yes, it's not as sexy as social media, but if you know 108.4% of people are spending 26.83 hours a day on their emails, then it probably should be in your top five marketing priorities. Now round about this point, people say, yeah, but Tim, we've tried sending out broadcasts Email marketing just doesn't really work in our industry. The open rate has been steadily declining. People just aren't reading the emails. It just doesn't really work. But here's the thing. Most of the time, email broadcasts are actually really, really boring. It's, I've made the joke before, it's like the soil pipe in the warehouse has been updated. It's like you've just won the award for most boring social media content in your industry. This is the sort of thing that people really do not care about via email. So instead, we're going to talk about how you can take a radically different approach to actually generate sales through your emails and not only generate sales, but do it consistently and at volume as well. So the first thing we're going to talk through is recognizing that email is a personal communication platform, or at least it should be. So think about it. 
When your boss or team member or family member emails you, what's the open rate of that email? Well, unless it's like family members that you're not particularly into, the open rate is probably 100%, right? People read emails that matter and are personal. So why is the email open rate on your mass broadcasts only 10%? Well, it's because they're neither personal nor does the subject matter to the recipients. So whether you've got an email list of 50 people, 5,000 or 500,000, the key is to make the emails personal. Now, obviously that's difficult to do at scale. This isn't like you're building a personal relationship with each person individually. How are the kids? You know, what are you up to? That type of stuff. The answer for this is segmentation. Segmentation of your email list allows you to put your subscribers in different streams according to whatever characteristics you choose. So you might segment your list according to their purchases. You might segment their list according to the things that they're interested in, the topics that they've expressed interest in. You might segment your list based on the actions that you've taken. You might segment your list based on the actions that they've taken, either on your website or off your website or downloading things or whatever. Let's say, for example, that you run an e-commerce store selling luxury clothing. Rather than emailing your whole list about a new season or a new range of stuff that's come in, You could segment your list by brand purchases or product category purchases, price or whatever, right? All of a sudden, check out this new range of clothing can turn into, hey, you know, you bought those Issey Mayake shoes? Well, the new season is in. Want to check them out? This is much more relevant. It's much more personal. If you think about Amazon, now Amazon doesn't send out in-personal emails. Of course, they aren't literally personal. It's not Jeff Bezos checking on how the in-laws are doing and how the dog is fixing up after its incident. But what they do is they tailor the content in the emails to be about the products that you've looked at. They're so relevant and specific to you through automation, that they are personal. Let's say, for example, that you're selling business insurance, which is pretty much the most boring thing I can think of, but that doesn't mean that you can't be great with your emails. So rather than sending out your generic broadcast, top tips for ensuring that your business is covered this year, instead, you could segment your audience by their renewal date and email them in the run-up to their renewal with tips to lower their premium, make sure they've got pandemic cover or whatever it might be. So you can see that personalization doesn't necessarily have to mean how are the kids? Personalization is more about timely relevance to the recipient and segmentation makes this achievable at scale. Okay, so you're going to segment your list. You're going to build out these different sublists by whatever criteria you choose based on your business and what makes it most relevant for you. And you're going to send separate emails to them, which are more relevant and personal. What's next? Well, the next tip is to think relationship first. Now, I'm not going to patronize you with, you know, that boring marketing metaphor about you need to go on first dates before you get married. You've heard it all before, right? We do know that stuff. But here's what every single one of your emails should do. Make the recipient fall deeper in love with you. That might sound like a big, crazy statement, so let me explain. If you think about what makes you love someone, it's usually because of how they make you feel, right? They make you feel special, valued, hopeful. You feel like your bond or connection with them matters. At Exposure Ninja, we often favor a very personal style of email. In fact, I send out hundreds of thousands of emails every month with my name at the bottom, Tim Cameron Kitchen. These are written in a personal, friendly, informal style. They help the recipient with some aspect of their marketing. 
They share some of the things that I've learned and that we've developed at Exposure Ninja. For example, let me read you um, one of these. The, the, the headline or the subject line is behind the scenes of Exposure Ninja with a little frowny smiley face, a little devious smiley. The email starts, Hey Tim, hope you've had a good week so far. This is technically a bad email because there are multiple calls to action. Sorry, email gods, sad face. While we're here, that's probably a suboptimal opening line too. Anyway, I've got two things that might be of interest for you. Nothing for sale. Thing number one, my YouTube channel. Did you know I have my own YouTube channel? Blah, blah, blah. The end of the email signs off. That's it. Have a smashing Wednesday, heart, Tim CK. So this is, you know, if you had to categorize this as a professional or unprofessional email, it will be firmly in the unprofessional camp. It's using smileys, it's very informal. I'm allowing my limited and uh, subjective sense of humor to come through. But this is me, this is me being personal. And what ends up happening with this is that people build a relationship with me in this case, or whoever is writing the email. When I talk to someone on a call for the first time, I'll often get a reaction which feels really weird, but it's really interesting, which is something like, wow, it feels like I know you. And I'm like, yeah, you do know me. We have a relationship because I've been talking to you like we have a relationship for, in some cases, years. And that builds a bond. Now, I get that this sort of personal style of email isn't right for everyone. It's not right for every business. You might not have a figurehead of your brand that your emails come from. It is right for more businesses than think it's right. Okay, we're a digital marketing agency. If you get most of the emails from our competitors, they are not like that at all. They are a million miles away from that. It's here's the latest white paper, statistics about X. It's really, really boring. It's as dry B2B stuff as you can possibly get. We are consciously the complete opposite of that. So I'd encourage you and I'd push you to also explore that. But really, if it's completely not right for you and you need to have some kind of business voice, that is okay as well. Although you do need to have some sort of personality in that business. It's really difficult for people to build a relationship with an entity. Sports teams, yes, they do it. And people often show allegiance to the organization over an individual in a sports team. But often if you scratch the surface of that allegiance, you'll find that it's actually driven by the individuals in the team to a significant extent. So really, if you're going to talk from your business's voice, it still needs to have some sort of personality. Otherwise, people just can't build that bond with it. Now, in the video version of this, I show you a version of an email from Honest Beauty, Jessica Alba's brand. And it's really, really interesting because it uses this personal tone. Now, obviously, Honest Beauty has Jessica Alba as the figurehead, but they don't use her as the email writer. They don't have, you know, everything signed off by Jessica, but they do have a very, very clear personality to the business. So for example, the first words in the email, honest hype, why these clean beauty faves are next level according to you. Now there's some stuff I don't like about that. I don't like the grouping of the audience as you, that does feel impersonal, but use of the word faves is great because that's the language that the audience talks. Further on down the email, we actually see that this is a series of testimonials from honest beauty customers. So for example, the first one, this mascara is a game changer, lasted all day, went on so smooth. I'm so happy with my purchase. Now, strictly speaking, game changer should be hyphenated, I think, lasted all day and went on so smooth 
Lee rather than so smooth, but that's not the point. The point is that they're talking in the language that their customers use. They're just using their customer's language and they're throwing it straight back at them. This builds the personality of the business, which is really closely matched with the personality of the subscribers. So this is a really, really good example. Now we're gonna come back to the strategy of using customer testimonials a little bit later on. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode so far, Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening, do that thing where you see more episodes. It really helps our visibility and it means that you never miss out on a single episode that we release each week. And don't forget, if you need help with your digital marketing, request a free marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. Just go to ExposureNinja.com and click that big button. Okay, next tip, build desire, remove fear. Now we've talked in previous shows and we've got loads of videos on our YouTube channel about the concept of an indoctrination sequence in email marketing. So go and watch those, listen to them or whatever after this episode. But for now, an indoctrination sequence is a timed series of emails designed to take your visitor on a journey. Along this journey, they pass through a series of waypoints which are there to build desire for what you're selling whilst removing the visitor, the audience, the subscribers' fears and objections systematically. So I'm gonna talk you through an example of an indoctrination sequence for a client of ours that sells designer glasses. So you'll get these emails if you sign up through their website, either on the um, the, the pop-up that opens when you land on the page or if you start going through checkout but you don't finish. So the first email in the sequence introduces the business and presents their USPs. So the USPs of this particular business, remember selling designer glasses, but that doesn't really matter. Just think about the concept. Um, for this business, things like the fact that their range is 100% authentic. Uh, they've been established a long time. They've got UK manufactured lenses, huge range of products. Plus the email gives the visitor, the subscriber, a voucher code to get a discount on their purchase. So think about this. I've just signed up for an email list for this business. I now know what makes this business different to all of their competitors. I'm feeling pretty good about this business. My logical brain has some kind of arguments that I can use to differentiate this business against competitors. So whether or not I've just made a purchase, I'm now tuned to see them and I might see them in remarketing, retargeting ads. I might get further emails, whatever but I've just kind of developed my knowledge about this business. Now, the second email, time to arrive a few days later, introduces their virtual try-on experience. So this is where you can try on the glasses and it's fantastic on their website. This answers a key objection that people have about buying glasses online, namely that I can't try them on. I don't know what they're gonna look like. I'm gonna spend all this money, wait all this time, and I don't even know if the glasses are gonna be any good. Well, this email answers that objection because their virtual try-on is so good, it's actually better than being in store because you can try on thousands of different pairs. The third email gives tips on eye health. This is all about looking after your eyes when you're working from home, Um, some info on why their range is designed to help improve your eye health as well. This is key because it shows you that they actually care. It also gives you additional incentive to purchase more glasses. If you've been getting headaches, for example, and they send you an email which says, oh, by the way, these can help prevent headaches, then you know that's just a little nudge in the direction of making the purchase. The fourth email gives you tips on choosing a frame, explains why designer frames are better than cheap alternatives, positions the designer purchase as an investment, and talks about some of the features that the premium designers have pioneered. Again, giving you logical arguments to back up 
the emotional desire to purchase this product. The fifth and final email in this five-step sequence restates their USPs and nudges you towards the purchase with another offer. So we've got a five-step email sequence here that positions the business, tells you their story, helps you find the right pair of glasses for you with their try-on service, gives you the tips about eye health, showing you that they actually care, gives you tips about how to make a purchase that you'll love and answers objections about designer purchase, and then finally restates USPs and asks for the sale. So everything in that sequence has been about building desire and removing fear for the audience. That's what a great indoctrination sequence should do. Now, these will be automated timed sequences that will go out at particular stages after they've been triggered somehow by the user's behavior. And we'll talk a little bit about automation right at the end. Another great way to remove fear is through the use of testimonials. Back to the honest example before, they've used their customers to sell the product. This makes it much more believable. You know, if you say, this mascara is amazing, we made it. Well, it's like, yeah, you kind of would say that. Whereas if you look at five different testimonials from people who've bought that product and say, this is a game changer, this is my go-to, this is a lifesaver, then you feel very differently about it, particularly if those testimonials come with pictures or specific names or whatever. So using testimonials or using case studies if you're a B2B, that can really help and you can use them as the copy in your emails as well. And by the way, if you are a B2B and you're gonna be using case studies, remember that the key is that your customers can see themselves in the before and that they can see their desired outcome in the after. So you need to make sure your case studies are generic enough that the before is recognizable, but compelling enough that the transformation is exciting to them. Okay, tip number four, you have to make some sort of offer. You have to know what you want people to do. Obviously, this is essential basic conversion optimization, but you need to have a specific outcome for your prospect, otherwise it's unlikely they're gonna end up at that outcome. So what do you want people to do and why do they need to do it now or soon? So there's an example of a business in the US that sells pa uh, paper, they're called Patterson Papers. The email starts with a picture of a sunset for some reason and then there is some information about different papers that they sell. Uh, you've got the product name, you've got size and you've got price. There is some kind of deadline because the specials are good from uh, Tuesday, July the 13th through Tuesday, July 20th, while supplies last. There's no call to action. There's no benefit statements. There's nothing here at all. It's an absolute washout. So what makes a good offer? Well, the Exposure Ninja Free website and marketing review is a pretty good offer. If we think about it, if you're looking for digital marketing help, we give you free help to understand what opportunities there are with your digital marketing. We take a look at your competitors. We reverse engineer what they're doing. We have a look at your website to see how we can improve the conversion rate. We have a look at how you're driving traffic and how you could be getting more traffic. We turn all of this into a 15 minute video, which we send to you by email. Go to ExposureNinja.com to request it. This is a pretty compelling pitch for our sort of customers. And if you have a great offer that you can use like that, which removes objections, is very slippery slide. It doesn't hurt people to to take it. Even if it's a first purchase, how can you de-risk that? How can you offer some sort of guarantee so that people aren't scared of investing? That's a great thing to pitch through your emails and consistently. Or you can have an indoctrination sequence like the example that we just shared, where you kind of build up to the last email in that sequence, pitching the offer that you're making. The final thing we're going to talk about today is automation. If you want scale with your email marketing, you have to automate. You might end up with five segments. You might end up with 50, 100 segments. 
at EN, we've got, I don't know how many segments, we've got automations that go for every single stage of our probably 25 step sales process. We've got different automations flying out um, at each point according to which stage people are at, what their activity levels are, what they've done previously in the sequence. It's impossible to run this manually and it's impossible to get our sales team to run that level of service manually for the volume of leads that we're dealing with. You get 140 inbound leads a week. You can't be having people or you know manually emailing each of those. You need to automate this. So automation is absolutely key. Um, and there are three kind of basic automations that pretty much every business should be running. The first of these is some sort of welcome sequence. These are the emails that you send out when somebody signs up. You might not have enough info to segment these people yet. So this might be a general catch-all welcome sequence that positions your business, talks about what you do, and then offers them the choice of clicking on different topics based on what they're interested in. You might then segment them based on those choices, those interests. The second automation that you're probably going to want to run is some sort of restock, renewal, that type of thing sequence. So for example, we've got a client that sells supplements. We know exactly how often people restock on the supplements. So we've set up automations that are timed so that when people are starting to run out, they get an email saying, hey, you might be about to run out and triggers them to make another purchase. What we don't want them to do is to head back online and start Googling for, you know, whatever they're looking to purchase again, so that either we're paying for that customer, we're paying for the repeat purchase, or we're fighting it out with competitors who might get the second purchase. So we want to send them an email so that we're already there. We don't have to pay for that traffic and we can get that person before they know they need it. You might also want to run a review sequence. So after the purchase or after you've spoken to someone in the sales conversation, you might send them a review request. So whether you're using Trustpilot, Google reviews, whatever review platform you're using, you can have an email that goes out after a short period of time that says, hey, if you've, you know, if you've enjoyed this, if you found this useful, please consider leaving us a review. This is really important because review request emails typically get a very low response rate. You might be 10%, you might be less. If you're having an individual do this, or if you're having your sales team do this, this can get demoralizing for them. Whereas if you automate it, the email marketing software never gets demoralized. It never forgets to send one out. So automating your review sequence makes a lot of sense. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode so far, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening, do that thing where you see more episodes. It really helps our visibility and it means that you never miss out on a single episode that we release each week. And don't forget, if you need help with your digital marketing, request a free marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. Just go to ExposureNinja.com and click that big button. Okay, let's talk actionable stuff. What are you going to do as a result of this? Recap. First thing you're going to do is you're going to segment your email list into mini lists. You can base these segments on behavior, product or service interest, actions that people have taken, whatever. Your particular segmentation strategy will depend on your business, your customers, and there is no single right answer here. Just remember the goal of the exercise is that your audience feels the emails that they receive are personal. Now this doesn't need to be how's the dog, we mean personal in the sense that they are relevant and timely. 
they make sense. They are not irrelevant because that isn't what personal is about. The next thing you're going to do is think relationship first when you're writing your emails. If you can have your emails coming from a person in the business, great. Your audience will build a relationship with that person. If you can't, make sure that you're talking the audience's language and then you can come across as having a personality that people can like or identify with. Of course, people are never going to identify with a brand to the extent that they can identify with a person. But at least if you're brand has some sort of personality, then we can hack into that floor where we build relationships with entities if they have enough of a personality and we've been on enough of a journey with them. Next, you're going to build desire and remove fear through setting up indoctrination sequences. Remember, these are series of emails designed to take people on a journey, showing them what's great, answering their fears, answering their objections, and eventually leading, pushing them towards a purchase. Then you're going to present offers that make sense to your audience and are compelling. Each time, you send somebody something they don't care about, you increase the chances that they won't open the next email. And often that's why people have low open rates is because they've continually barraged their list with stuff that they just don't care about. And then finally, you're going to automate all of this. You're going to build it once, test it, optimize it. Sure, have people reply to your emails and see What are they complaining about? What are they asking about? Are they moaning about the frequency? In which case you might want to tweak it, but build this into an automation because then you don't have to continually run it. You can focus on the other areas of your marketing and you can kind of refine and hone your indoctrination sequences over time based on this feedback. Really without automation, email marketing is very, very difficult to do very well because it is just so time consuming to design each of these streams. So I hope you found this useful. Don't forget if you want more details about this podcast and any of our podcasts you can visit exposureninja.com forward slash podcast if you've enjoyed today's podcast please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to and don't forget to subscribe on itunes or follow us on spotify if you've already done both amazing you're a hero please share it with someone else that you think might enjoy it don't forget also to check out the exposure ninja youtube channel we release a new video every single week i show you on the screen some of the things that we talk about in these podcast episodes and you'll love it until next week keep indoctrinating 